For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the spiritual application of the high priestly service on Yom Kippur. This is part two of the series. Azazel is regarded as the scapegoat. The goat upon whom fell the lot to Azazel was sent into the wilderness. Before the goat was sent out, the high priest laid his hands upon the head of the goat and confessed the sins of the nation of Israel, putting the sins of the nation of Israel upon the goat. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 10 and verses 20 through 22, it is written, But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. In Leviticus chapter 16 verses 20 through 22 it is written, And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. The Hebrew word for Azazel is scapegoat. Azazel is seen as a type of Satan or Hasatan, the adversary, in the extra-biblical book of Enoch, chapter 8 and verse 1. The sins being laid upon Azazel and being sent into the wilderness can be seen as a type of judgment upon Satan or Hasatan who will be cast into the lake of fire. In Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 it is written and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The crimson thread was put upon Azazel. One of the customs of Yom Kippur is that a crimson sash was tied around the horns of the goat labeled to Azazel. Why was a crimson sash used? It is explained in the Talmud in Shabbat 86a that it is based upon Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 which says come now and let us reason together says the Lord though your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow though they be red like crimson they shall be as wool. In the Talmud it says how do we know that a crimson colored strap is tied to the head of the goat? 
quote that is sent and regarded as Azazel because it is said if your sins be as scarlet they shall be as white as snow this is found in Shabbat 86a the Talmud describes how the goat was led into the wilderness and how this goat was cast off a cliff what did he do he divided the thread of crimson wool and tied one half to the rock the other half between its horns and pushed it from behind and it went rolling down and before it had reached half its way downhill it was dashed to pieces and this is found in Yoma 67a another custom is that a crimson wool thread was tied to the entrance of the Ulam at the temple it was considered a sign that the God of Israel had forgiven the sins of the nation of Israel if the crimson wool thread turned white after the goat labeled Azazel was cast off a cliff into the wilderness in the Talmud in Yoma 67a it says our rabbis taught in the beginning they would tie the thread of crimson wool on the entrance of the Ulam which is the hall leading to the interior of the temple without if it became white they rejoiced if it did not become white they were sad and ashamed thereupon they arranged to tie it to the entrance of the Ulam within but they were still peeping through and if it became white they rejoiced whereas if it did not become white they grew sad and ashamed thereupon they arranged to tie one half to the rock and the other half between its horns Rabbi Nahum son of Papa said in the name of Rabbi Eleazar HaKapar originally they used to tie the thread of crimson wool to the entrance of the Ulam within and as soon as the he goat reached the wilderness it turned white then they knew that the commandment concerning it had been fulfilled as it is said from Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 if your sins be a scarlet they shall be white as snow however it is also recorded in the Talmud in Yoma 39a that 40 years prior to the destruction of the temple which happened in the year 70 the crimson wool thread at the temple did not turn white it says in the Talmud our rabbis taught during the last 40 years before the destruction of the temple the lot for the Lord or to Yahweh did not come up in the right hand it always came up in the right hand but for those 40 years it didn't come up in the right hand nor did the crimson colored strap become white as it did in previous years and of course we know that these 40 years were the years between the death of Yeshua on the tree and the destruction of the temple so God the Father I believe was communicating that in order for your sins to be forgiven you need to accept the redemptive work of Yeshua when he died on the tree for the forgiveness of our sins back to Leviticus in chapter 16 regarding the Levitical high priest ceremony that took place on Yom Kippur as a part of this ceremony Aaron put on holy garments in Leviticus chapter 16 verse 4 and verse 32 it is written he shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh and shall be girded with a linen girdle and with the linen mitre shall he be attired these are holy garments therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on and the priest whom he shall anoint and whom he shall consecrate to minister in the priest's office in his father's stead shall make the atonement and shall put on the linen clothes even the holy garments notice you're putting on the holy garment as a part of this process the high priest would change his clothes multiple times the high priest changed his clothing five times on Yom Kippur each time 
time he changed his clothing, he immersed himself in a mikvah, an immersion bath. During all of the service inside the Holy of Holies, the high priest would wear white garment. This thought and understanding is found in the Book of Our Heritage, Volume 1, and page 96. We are to put off the world, the sin of the world, the world's ways, and put on Messiah. Dirty garments represent the sin of the world. Believers in Yeshua as Messiah are commanded to put off the sin of the world and put on Yeshua. In Romans chapter 13, verse 14, it is written, But put ye on Yahweh Yeshua HaMashiach and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. We can also see this principle in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 as it is written, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the former manner of life, the old man, the man that lived according to the flesh and the ways of the world, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, that is the man that is reborn in Messiah Yeshua has the indwelling Ruach HaKodesh and is led by the Ruach, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In Colossians chapter 3 verses 9 through 12 and then verse 14 it is written, Lie not one to another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and you have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Put on therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved Vows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. So this putting on is related to the high priest. He put on holy garments, and this is the spiritual application of putting on holy garments. The high priest on the Day of Atonement also put on white garments. White garments represent clothes of purity, righteousness, and the wedding dress of a bride. In Job chapter 29 verse 14, it is written, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. In Psalm 132 verse 9, it is written, Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. The bride, her wedding dress is white. In Isaiah chapter 61 verse Verse 10, it is written, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Those who overcome, we're told in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 5, that we wear white. What do we overcome? Sin, the ways of the world, our flesh, and when we overcome that, we wear white, which is what? Righteousness, following after the ways of the God of Israel, that being the new man. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. White represents the righteous acts or the righteous deeds of the saints, living a holy life unto the God of Israel. 
Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8, it is written, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arraigned in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. On Yom Kippur, it is a Jewish custom to wear white clothing. Some wear a kittle, which is a white robe worn over the clothing. And we are told about this custom in the Book of Our Heritage, Volume 1, and page 78. Back to the Levitical priestly service of Yom Kippur. The bodies of the animals that were offered as a sin offering were burned outside the camp. We can see this, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 27. And the bullock for the sin offering, and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall one carry forth without or outside the camp. And they shall burn it in the fire, their skins and their flesh and their dung. Yeshua is a type of this offering that was placed outside of the camp because it tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 11 and 12, it tells us these words, that the bodies of those beasts, referring back to what we just read in Leviticus 16, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin on the day of atonement, are burned outside or without the camp. Wherefore Yeshua also that he might sanctify the people by his own blood, he suffered outside the gate. So Yeshua is a type of the sin offering that was made on Yom Kippur for us or on our behalf. We are told that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. In Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 it is written, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. While the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, the blood of Yeshua can take away our sin. And not only does the blood of Yeshua is able to take away our sin when we repent of our sins, but Yeshua himself has the power to forgive us of our sins. In Matthew chapter 9 verse 2 and verse 6 it is written, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Yeshua, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven you. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, then said he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and go unto your house. Messiah shed his blood on the tree to take away our sins. In Matthew chapter 26, in verse 28, it is written, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The blood of Yeshua takes away our sins, as we can see from Romans chapter 3, verses 24 through 28. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Messiah Yeshua, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believes in Yeshua. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 it is written, in whom we have redemption through His 
his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Then in Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 and also in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 we can also see that the blood of Yeshua takes away our sin as it is written. In whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. And from Yeshua Messiah who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. The blood of Messiah reconciles us unto God the Father. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 it is written, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. The blood of Messiah provides us with eternal redemption. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 it is written, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place. That is in the heavenly tabernacle, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 it is written, In almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. In Psalm chapter 32 verse 1 it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. In Romans chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 it is written, quoting and making a reference back to Psalm chapter 32 verse 1. It is written in Romans in chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 the following, Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man of unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. What is sin? We are given an explicit definition of sin in First John in chapter 3 and verse 4 where it says, Whosoever commits sin transgresses the Torah, for sin is the transgression of the Torah. Notice the only way that you can sin and be regarded as a sinner is to transgress the Torah. So if we are sinners by transgressing the Torah, how are we to be a holy people? By not transgressing the Torah. So if we are to be a holy people, which is what we're commanded to do as believers in Yeshua the Messiah, Yeshua said in John chapter 14 verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you keep his commandments, you don't sin. And if you keep his commandments, you are living a holy life unto him. We need to confess our sins to be forgiven by the blood of Yeshua. In Psalm chapter 32 verse 5 it is written, I acknowledged my sin unto you and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. In Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 it is written, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. We can see the need to confess our sins in order to be forgiven of our sins from 1 John chapter 1 in verses 8 and 9 as it is written. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess 
our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now let look at the association of Yom Kippur to the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 53 as found in the prayer book of traditional Judaism for Yom Kippur. What we have covered so far in the message is an examining of the ceremony of the Levitical priest from Leviticus in chapter 16 wherein he went in and ultimately was able by confessing his sins, the sins of his household and the sins of the nation to make atonement for the people of the God of Israel. Now what we're going to do is we're going to look at where in the traditional Jewish prayer book for Yom Kippur, it makes mention about Isaiah 53 and the Messiah. And the source where I'm going to be presenting you this information specifically can be found in the services for Yom Kippur and the Day of Atonement put out by the Hebrew Publishing Company in New York. And this particular version is copyright 1928 by the Star Hebrew Book Company in New York. And if we look at the content of the prayer service and the prayer book for Yom Kippur, the section where we're going to find the mentioning of Messiah in Isaiah 53 as it relates to Yom Kippur is following the section called Unthane Thokef which in this publication is found on page 283. But what I'm going to show you is found following that on page 288. So this is what we find as part of the prayers of Yom Kippur. Though he should be exceedingly angry with his people, yet will the Holy One not awaken all his wrath. We have hitherto been cut off through our evil deeds, yet hast thou awakened our rock not brought consummation on us or ultimate destruction our righteous anointed is departed from us whore has seized us and we have none to justify us he has borne the yoke of our iniquities and our transgression and is wounded because of our transgression he bears our sins on his shoulder that he may find pardon for our iniquities we shall be healed by his wound at the time that the eternal will create him him, that is the Messiah, as a new creature. Oh, bring him up, bring him up from the circle of the earth. Raise him up from Seir to assemble us the second time on Mount Lebanon by the hand of Yenon, which is a term for the Messiah. This is speaking about the Messiah, Isaiah 53, and his role to bring redemption and forgiveness of sin unto his people. Now we are going to look at the Nila service. The Nila service is the final part of the service of Yom Kippur as a part of a traditional Jewish service for Yom Kippur. And we're going to look at some parts of the Nilah service and see its spiritual application and meaning to us as believers in Yeshua the Messiah. The rabbis teach that Yom Kippur is the climax of the ten days of repentance or the high holy days. Even so, the rabbis teach 
that even as Yom Kippur is the climax of the 10 days of repentance, the Nilah service is the climax of Yom Kippur. The heavenly judgment inscribed on Rosh Hashanah is sealed during the Nilah service. This thought can be found in the Art Scroll Mizorah, the Yom Kippur Ashkenaz Maksor, or the prayer book for Yom Kippur on page 706. Nila is known as the time of the closing of the gate. Well, that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject, the spiritual application of the high priestly service on Yom Kippur. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.